The Movie Health Podcast is proudly supported by Telemoods by eClapper Project Inc. Telemoods recommends which movies and TV series to watch by matching the user's mood and real-time offer of all streaming platforms. Download Telemoods today. Welcome to the Movie Health Podcast. We talk about movies and mental health. This week, we're live from Western Sydney Uni, and we've uh, taken over a pod booth, which includes recording and professional mics and professional sound recording. So we're upping our game and getting getting professional with our podcasting. So my name is AJ. My name is Catherine. And we're here today to talk about two movies, and we're going to start with the movie Her. Catherine, I know that's one of your favorite movies. You've written a bit about her. Would you mind just teeing it up and explaining what her is for those who haven't seen it? Yeah, sure. So her was made in 2013. It's a drama romance. It was written and directed by Spike Joan. And it's about Theodore Twombly, an introverted writer, buys an artificial intelligence system to help him write. However, when he finds out about the AI's ability to learn and adapt, he falls in love with it. It also stars... Joaquin Phoenix, Scarlett Johansson, Rooney Mara, Amy Adams, and Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. I always like to say Jacqueline Phoenix. Jacqueline. <laughs> I think I used but, to say that. Yeah, it's, it's totally not right. Yeah, and so 2013, so 10 years ago, yeah. her came out. And it's fascinating how mature or how aware Spike Jones was with the emergence of AI in our lives. Certainly today, the emergence of ChatGPT and generative AI, creative AI, certainly within the workforce is about driving efficiency and being able to produce podcasts and all sorts of different things a lot quicker. But in her, the use of AI was there to address, well, it was an operating system, wasn't it? Yeah. And I suppose the key to why Theodore, so how am I going to pronounce his name? Is Joaquin. Joaquin. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the Joaquin name of the character. Would it be fair to say that he was dealing with a bit of loneliness, slight depression yeah. in his life? And so he came about this operating system. What was actually called? OS1. OS1. And he started to develop a relationship with it. So is there anything I suppose to start with in making sure we include the movie health in this podcast? How do you interpret the theme of loneliness and some of the situations that Jacquan was facing? Yeah, so I guess Theodore Twombly's character, he's a bit of a loner. He's going through a divorce uh, with Rudy Mara's character, called Catherine, actually. Mm. And I think like some main themes in the movie include like intimacy, detachment, vulnerability, grief. And like it's one of my favorite movies because I remember when I watched it 10 years ago. I can't believe it was 10 years ago, actually. Yeah. I was 21 and for some reason, like I was really drawn to it. I found that it's very cerebral and it's also very soulful. And it's like an intimate look at something so, I guess, global when we're talking about like artificial intelligence, but then we're looking at the possibility of like relating to it in a human way. So I think that is why it's so relevant even now. And it's kind of like a look at modern relationships and our relationship with technology. But yeah, Theodore Twombly, he experiences a lot of grief, loss. He prefers his solitude. He has a connection with something that's not human, but it is very deep, like what they share. And I find that Scarlett Johansson, who voices Samantha, the OS1, 
like she was the perfect voice for it because she has yeah. this like really natural, warm, like raspiness to her voice. Yeah. And I found that like if I was in his position, like I would totally understand why, like I would be so drawn to that and connect to that. But yeah, I think even where it was filmed, apparently it was filmed in Japan. And I think that's amazing because like obviously we know that Japan has its very traditional roots, but it's also very modern and it is kind of like the place for technology. So that would make a lot of sense. I think there was a bit of LA in there as well. Yeah, probably. Split, uh, split between LA and, and Japan. But it did give it, a, it didn't, it wasn't obvious what year it was. Mm-hmm. You know, it was set within a time that AI had evolved. Theodore has, it's, you know, neatly designed mobile phone with an earpiece, can interact with AI and as a personal assistant. Yeah. You know, he, he picks a certain type of music, he can use a camera. So, you know, there's smart devices. There's also a certain type of fashion that's evolved. And, after watching it recently, I noticed that the very beginning of the film, Theodore wears, and I, I was a fan of, despite the ethics, American apparel one that was around, that's sort of the, might even be American apparel shirt, but, you know, the certain type of shirt and the certain colors. Yes. So these are sort of very vibrant colors, but a lot of the shots early on in the movies was Theodore by himself, surrounded by this futuristic world, you know, highly populated, but he always seemed by himself. It was by himself with his device. So it sort of presents the way, what he's experiencing in life, which I thought was quite interesting, the way that it sets it up and introduces yourself to that character. Yeah, definitely. I also found the other AIs within the film really interesting. So the Alexa type thing, I thought it was, I think it was Elsie. Mm-hmm. And then there was also that little character, that boy that was swearing a lot. And oh, the swearing. game that he plays. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. I love the little like humor that was kind of injected into the film mm-hmm. because it is a quite a heavy, serious film and mm. it looks at very profound topics and themes of life. Mm. But I think that even, I guess, Theodore's of friendship with Amy Adams and her character's called Amy as well. I think that was a really interesting take on relationships too because she was also lonely and she separated from her husband. And they kind of had to lean on each other, but both also quite attached to their OSs, uh-huh. but for her in a different way, like a friendship with her OS. So I think in a way, it's kind of like, I don't know if I'd call it a critique of modern society, but I think our reliance on technology, something that uh-huh. like modern viewers now would be like, oh my gosh, will it head this way? You know, have we gotten this far that like, you know, we are, it's possible to like fall in love with technology. But while we're still human, we're going to behave like humans and there's always going to be that human interaction with technology with AI so as you know 10 years on there's you know AI is quite advanced and there's utility for AI you use AI in your daily life and we need to be conscious of you know what the human needs and wants are I suppose Mm -hmm. and so with Theodore you know I think he was grappling with what his needs and wants were in life so felt as though you know, he wanted a companion and that's why he built the relationship with the AI and ultimately fell in love with the AI because the AI was able to provide what he thought he wanted, but ultimately what he needed, as is my stretch at, at therapy, is human connection. And we saw that evolve over time throughout the movie as well. Yes. And I think in terms of Omegan, it kind of shows that like robots, AI can't replace human attachment. Mm. And like no matter how advanced technology will become, it's just not, it will never be a replacement. And I think that's probably like the key takeaway from both films and probably like it makes sense why 
you chose to do both films together today. And, you know, that's something that's really important in therapy, that relationships are the most important factor of anyone's life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as being human. So I think that's like these films really touch on that in their own very unique ways. Mm-hmm. And what about a little bit more on loneliness and, you know, approaching loneliness as a challenge that we all experience in life? Um, is there anything more you can elaborate around that? Yeah, so I guess loneliness is a very human experience, like you said, and, and we all experience it at some point. And I think Theodore, in a way, he kind of isolated himself as well. You know, he was a complex man. He was very intuitive, very kind of detached as well from his relationships, which I think was the main reason why they had the divorce in the first place. Okay. So I think for anyone, I guess it's about trying to form connections in any way that you can. So yeah. whether it's like even like online, like on forums or like face-to-face, like one-on-one with people or like in group settings, I think just having that human relationship and connection, mm-hmm. just relating every day to people makes all the difference mm-hmm. rather than withdrawing yourself from the world. Like I think it's important to have solitude And we all need that sometimes, like whether it's going for a walk or literally like going away and just having time for yourself. But we are like, none of us are islands. And it's something that we talked about in our first podcast as well, Into the Wild, Mm. where it's like, it's a myth to think that we can do life alone, Mm. entirely alone. So I've got a good line for you in React 2. No, no, no. (laughs) I did a little bit of research. I'm still, it won't be long. Okay. I'm not not a fan. And when I was doing a bit of, reflection on her and the concept of loneliness. Is it fair to say that Theodore ultimately understood that loneliness is a, to your point, a shared experience? So everyone can experience loneliness, but you don't need to be by yourself. It's important to try and connect with other people, as you just mentioned, and appreciate that it is a a, uh, shared experience with other people. Yes, I think that's very profound and that's very true. Definitely. Because yes, we all experience loneliness. And it's interesting because when we feel our loneliest, it's like we think that we are the only ones who are experiencing it. But actually, like pretty much most people, if not everyone on this earth, experience it. So that's some, like, you know, part of shared humanity and something we can actually connect on and for it not to be taboo and for us to actually talk about it more. And is there any particular, so I think loneliness is a key theme of her, that is safe to say. Any favorite? scenes or moments from the movie? Gosh, I've seen that movie so many times and like so many scenes really grab me. I think that's a really hard one, actually. Okay, what, what's yours? Okay, so after re-watching it, one of the moments that really stuck with me, and I think it's another part of the movie that is quite critical to the mood and the feeling, is the moment where Theodore is lying on the beach you know, the night before he makes love to Samantha. And so they have this moment of release and they feel connected. And so he travels to the beach and he's lying on the beach and Samantha says, I've, I've made some music for you and here it is. And you'd think that the music would, the song would be some sort of eugenic electro robotic type music, but it's actually a fairly sweet song played on a piano. And I think if you go back and look, it's called the beach song. And I think it's really powerful because it just shows how the AI has evolved and is trying to create something that will ultimately better connect with Theodore. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I do love that scene. And it was actually really funny. That's the same scene where she suggests some very interesting human anatomy, like changing body parts, right? 
I find that really cool that can see how, yeah, like you said, AI has evolved and it can actually create a masterpiece and it actually does art. And yeah, that piece of music. And I think she composed another piece of music at the end as well, which is really beautiful. Yeah, I think the music that's used throughout, you know, really does set the tone and the feel of, you know, whatever world, whatever year that era is set in. That along with just the way the movie is filmed. So I think you see the Theodore character evolve, just like the AI evolves. So at the beginning, he's by himself. He's wearing he's certain color palettes, like brighter colors to, to stand out. And then as he learns more about himself, which is interesting because I think sort of the first three quarters, if not the first two acts, there's a lot of flashbacks to the relationship that he had, or, you know, the memories he has had with his, his ex-wife. And as he sort of deals with that as the movie goes along, there's less of it. But I noticed that sort of the color palettes and he sort of doesn't look so disconnected and by himself from where he's living, he's, the colors are a lot more subtle. And so he's more connected with the world. Yeah. And that ultimately the payoff of that, him really understanding what he needs is that human connection. And then ultimately at the end, spoiler alert, is establishing a relationship with Amy. Yes, exactly. And it shows us again that we can't rely fully on technology because Samantha, like all the other OSs, had to basically leave and they were evolving into their own kind of entity or whatever was happening there. And so she had to leave him. And so he had to experience another form of grief. Yeah. But then, yeah, from that, it was a catalyst, like you said, for him to really like fully connect with another person again with his friend Amy. Okay. So her 2013, directed by Spike Jones, he actually won an Oscar for the screenplay. Yeah. And he actually hasn't done a movie since. I know, it's a shame. Well, actually, that's not true. He's been involved in the Jackass movies, a long-time producer of the Jackass Mm. movies, and I'm sure he's done plenty of music videos, but he hasn't done a feature film since, which is a real shame. And before that, I think it was Where the Wild Things... Mm. Where the Wild Things Are. Where the Wild Things Are, which is a particularly creepy book. Um, I found that, read it to my daughter uh, not, not long ago, and... Yeah, strange book, but I think he learned a lot about creating that world, which has similarities to the world that he'd created for her, which is quite interesting. So it's sort of a transition for him. So I suppose taking the theme of grief and to really shift gears and talk about a more recent movie, which was released this year, I think towards the start of this year. Yeah, start of this year. Yeah, we'll double check on that one. The horror movie, would you say? Sci-fi? Horror comedy. Horror Horror comedy, yeah. Yeah. Or Megan, depends on where you are and how you want to say it. Yeah, could you help tee up Megan as well? Yeah, sure. So Megan was made in 2022, actually. Okay. So a robotics engineer at a toy company builds a lifelike doll that begins to take on a life of its own. So it's directed by Gerard Johnson and it's written by James Wan and Akela Cooper. It stars Alison Williams, Violet McGraw and Ronnie Ching. I just have to say, I love Ronnie Ching. Exactly. But yes, this movie, very different to her, but still about technology uh-huh. and grief. Yeah, and I think because of James Wan's involvement, so famous for Saw, famous for Insidious series, you know, I think to be successful in horror, um, the horror genre and subgenres of that, you need to have, you know, a comedic bone in you. You mm-hmm. have to understand ways, different ways to communicate with the audience. And be very self-aware of what the movie is. He did a, James Wan, I think he produced or co-wrote a movie, a horror movie, Malignant. Oh, yeah, I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people didn't understand that because 
people thought it was just intentionally a bad movie, which is hard to do, I'm sure, if you're making a Hollywood movie. But just like Megan, very, very self-aware. So it knows exactly what it's trying to do. You know, the setting for Megan is a young girl's parents die. That young girl is then needs to, is put into foster care by character's name. Yes. So Gemma, Gemma is a roboticist and yeah. Katie is the orphan. So, so yeah. Katie goes to live with Jenna. Jenna is, you know, developing toys, like kids' toys, advanced toys using AI machine learning that interact with children. Uh, but her, her passion project is developing this advanced robotic doll, ultimately called Megan. And you can't but help, you know, laugh at that concept. You can't, and if, you know, by watching the movie, you can't help, you know, laugh at the setup and the predictability of it all, then I don't know if you understand what you're watching in the first place. So it's, so it's very self-aware, mm-hmm. very simple premise and not, you know, a traditional horror movie. There isn't a lot of blood and gore. There isn't a lot of jump scares, but it is particularly creepy. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the way they designed um, the Megan doll, very particular face, big eyes, you know, very lifelike. I think it was, you know, a rob- you know, combination of a robotic face, CGI face with a young actress's body that was used as a famous one of the, there was a dance move that was done within the movie that became very popular on TikTok. So very, you know, the setup and the design, very aware of the audience as well. So very targeted at Gen Z, but I quite enjoyed it. Like, you know, went to the cinema traditionally as I normally do and saw it and I thought it was just a really good time and, you know, really accessible movie because, you know, it wasn't R-rated, it wasn't too violent, but just had enough balance with being a bit, um, what's the word, not tacky. Being a bit uh, like camp. I mean, some being, people yeah, describe being it camp. Like... Yeah, just being very self-aware, being very camp, simple setup, and you know exactly what's going to happen. This this advanced robotic AI-driven children's toy is, you know, it's ultimately what happens is it gets attached to Katie, and then it goes a little bit overboard in terms of protecting Katie, and then it takes essentially. What does it actually do in the end? It actually, yeah. So Megan goes haywire. And starts to take control of where she is and yes. wants to be her own person in a way. Yeah. Having said all of that, I suppose flowing on from her, it is actually kind of deep. Yeah. And it does deal with some pretty strong messages around grief. And so even though the setup's predictable, you know, the sort of the scenes are slightly campy, it does deal with parents dying. It does deal with that a child having to live in a new home with a carer that's not prepared for that child and also the child's dependency on technology and then dependency on, you know, other things than human connection. So it's not intentionally deep, but it Mm. certainly does address some issues that could ultimately be discussed through the medium or the modality of movie therapy. Yes, yeah, definitely. So I watched it in the cinema too. I found it really like silly and entertaining, but yes, it was very creepy and unsettling. Mm -hmm. And I think the whole idea of the primary caregiver, yeah, the fact that Gemma wasn't prepared, um, she had to readjust her priorities because she had to look after her niece. And I think because they were lacking that emotional connection, you know, like the movie kind of shows like the growth of her as well, like the internal growth where she realized like I actually, I'm not going to be a workaholic anymore and I'm not going to be so focused on like AI, but actually like my niece right in front of me who needs me. And that was very interesting, like the betrayal of the child therapist as well, who was in some scenes like, ex- kind of explaining that too. Yeah. Um, that 
socialization comes from the guardian and the carer as a human, like not Katie being attached to someone who isn't human. But that's essentially like the road that was, you know, being like was on in this movie. So I think that there's a quote in the film about, I think it was, was it Ronnie Chang who said it? I don't know. But like he was hilarious. He said quite a bit. Yeah, he has. Uh, yeah, this is a G-rated podcast, but he had a couple of lines that were <laughs> particularly good. Yeah. Yes, he was hilarious. But I think it was him representing his company, obviously, and they were talking about the constant quest for self-improvement and that the AI was um, like the apex of 21st century technology. And it's really like unnerving to see AI become like a therapist. Like basically Megan in that demonstration scene in front of all the executives, she was basically acting like a counsellor to Katie. Yeah. And it's like, that's true. Yeah. That, you know, that's insane. And I think... But being explored today. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I just, the responsibility, I believe anyway, she should never really be on like robots or, or AI. And again, it is about like the humanness of it. So I think, you know, that's something that Gemma realizes at the end and mm. why her and Katie form that attachment and they're able to kill off Megan. Wow. Yeah. I think that there's a, a little bit of a, an Easter egg towards the end of the movie. Mm. And because it's a recent movie, I think, you know, probably we've added in We've mentioned a few spoilers. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for those who plan to see it, I think it's pretty obvious that it sets up mm -hmm. the ne next couple, which I believe is being greenlit. So there will be Megan 2.0. Oh, my gosh. Really? Uh, and I think I read on IMDb mm -hmm. that within 2.0, they're going to explore the responsibility of AI and how it actually, like a lot of movies have over the years, like it really isn't anything new within movies. I mean, movies have been, you think back to, I'm not even sure what the year was. It was definitely the late 90s, if not early 2000s, uh, Steven Spielberg's AI, yes. which was literally called artificial intelligence mm -hmm. about a boy, you know, robotic boy with artificial intelligence and demonstrating the risks associated with you know, that within society. Mm -hmm. So it's been done, I suppose now in our life, in our daily life, in our work, the, the the utility of AI is real. And so now we need to really consider how we use it. There are definitely, there's ethics involved with how it's used, the consideration of data and privacy. We're not going to go into digital health in this podcast, nor is this a technology-based podcast, but we definitely can learn a lot from some of those messages. Yeah, definitely. I think both movies... Ultimately, yeah, about how technology is kind of taking over the world, but yeah. like we need to control the extent to which it does that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was a movie for the times, wasn't it? It spurred a lot of memes when Megan came out. Yeah, particularly with the, the younger generation. So, you know, Gen Z and, and lower. And I think that's really important because it's a horror movie that, you know, got that generation back into the movies. And I think we're seeing it again with, apparently with, it's... Uh, Friday Night at Freddy's, which is based on a game and very similar design to Megan. You know, probably a pretty bad movie, but, you know, the younger generations have really been showing up at the movie theaters and, and going to see that movie. And so I think there was something in Megan, again, the way it was designed, uh, the sort of the campiness, self-aware, uh, fun element to horror was really positive because got people back to the movies, which is to the cinemas, which is what we all want. And it just goes to show how popular the, the horror genre is 
and the different subgenres of horror that can be, you know, popular for different generations as well. That's enough. Nick. Yep. Cool. 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 Okay. So, like, what were the main points that you got from that? It was more, well, there was the music, there was the loneliness, there was a guy stole the need want thing. It was a good line. It was Yeah, yeah. So in her, we explore the possibility of an OS human relationship, but also like the opportunity and the pitfall of being attached to OS. I think, you know, Samantha was very interesting because she evolved into like an intuitive, sensitive being. And you actually like, you experience her inner growth and her evolution you know, through her experience, we question and meditate on what it means to be human because she starts to experience human emotions like love. So she starts being and feeling alive. She has desires. She feels pain. She experiences thoughts and bodily sensations. Mm. But yeah, like she learns about love and relationship through Theodore. What did you think about that? I'm fairly profound, particularly from the perspective of, of AI, but it's probably part of evolving at the same time so you know understanding what love is that connection between you know it's an emotional connection so you know it could be could have however healthy it is you could have that emotional connection with something other than human but as you know if technology as ai evolves it will evolve faster than us you know humans will evolve as well but I think the speed in which AI will evolve will be a lot faster. And so I think that's why it's important to sort of understand that emotional connection can only go so far yes. and understand that I think, which is important today, that there is a use, there is a utility for AI in our daily life, but as it learns, so do we, and we'll ultimately go on different paths and we have to maintain hopefully some aspects of being human and technology has to do the same. Exactly. And Samantha actually said sometime in her, like, we are all learning. Yeah. So, you know, she was talking about, obviously, like, all the OSs and I think, you know, humans as well. And in Megan, when we talk about relationships and love, again, Katie not being reliant on, like, an AI or Android, but actually, you know, having that full human relationship with her auntie, mm -hmm. Gemma. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's kind of shows that human relationships are, like, the most fulfilling. Yeah. Like it's not going to be satisfied through AI, like no matter how evolved it will become. But I understand, yeah, like sometimes it is something that can help people uh -huh. in this day and age. But, you know, at the end of the day, like we all need each other. And I think Megan does it in a very funny, ironic way and her does it in a very like soulful, thought-provoking way. Mm -hmm. Well said. So ultimately, a uh, pretty nice pairing. If you were to watch her and Megan again, what would be the order? Well, I watched her first and Megan yeah. um, this time around, so maybe other way. I'll see what that's like. Yeah, true. We have Megan for something a bit fun and then her to sober you up a little bit or <laughs> I don't know, vice versa. I think I'd go her then, then Megan. Oh, okay. Just for like some lightness. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. Fair enough. Recommendation for anyone out there. Okay. Well, I suppose let's uh, wrap it up there. So we talked about, not at nauseum, but a bit of length, uh, her and... The movie, th the movie Her, and in particular the theme of loneliness, and Megan, central theme there being grief. We see some connective tissue uh, with love between both movies that do it in very different ways. And as we said, the concept of AI and the message about we are human, you know, we share, we live in a shared experience. 
And so just be very aware of that in life and could ultimately help you down the track as well. So thank you for listening. I hope that was a good one. Thank you. Sounds great. And catch you on the next one. 